Bible, saints, I got a word for you. Glory to God. And uh, I'm going to teach. I'm going to try to teach. Amen. But you know what's going to happen. The teach preach is going to come out. But um, I want to teach because we're in consecration. And uh, we're about three days into it now. Amen. And uh, praise God. And uh, so, so we're still in the beginning uh, side of it, amen. So I just want to fortify you, amen. Help strengthen you for the rest of the duration of our consecration. Is that all right? Amen. So without further ado, open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. I'm going to begin at verse number 1, hallelujah. I'm going to read four verses and then I'm going to jump to verse 16. Hallelujah. And this is going to be our... Our takeoff place, amen. It's not necessarily uh, what I'm going to be talking about the whole time, amen. But my prayer is that I can come back to it after I start it. That's the goal. If not, I'll do it on Sunday, but amen, that is the goal. But I do want to teach you some things that I think you need to know on today, amen. I'm going to ask you if you have a pen and you're ready to take notes, be ready because I don't have slides for you today. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to create the slides, but I know I got some great note takers in the room. Uh, and, and some of you are really good. You, you take the notes and then you post them on Facebook for everybody else. So that's cool. If you don't get the notes, get the CD and or go on Facebook Live or on our YouTube page or on our, you know, where, where our website, podcast, whatever it is. And uh, listen to it again because you're going to need this stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning at verse number one. You ready to do some work? All right, I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. It came to pass after this also, it came to pass after this also, after this, meaning in chapter 19, they had tremendous victory, but now it's chapter 20, and it happened after a victory. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. Or Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazantamar. Hazazantamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. Has it ever happened to you? This is a king. He's a godly king. So you can sit there and act cute if you want to. Amen. But watch this. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This was a corporate fast. Amen. Now jump down to verse 16. Tomorrow, somebody shout tomorrow. tomorrow. Go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. That's a word right there. This ain't your fight. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still 
and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, somebody shout tomorrow. tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Listen to the beginning of that verse again. Go back, go back. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Here, here is the instruction of the Lord. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see. Those are the three S's right there. Set yourself. Stand ye still and see. I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject. Put it up there on the screen real quick. Hallelujah. Stand fast. Sometimes in order to stand, you got to fast. Stand fast. Amen, somebody. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your word. Minister to your people. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do in this place. Now, Lord God, use this, your servant, Father God, to minister your word. Speak, Lord God, through these lips of clay. And let that word, hallelujah, land on good ground. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let me start with a quick illustration on today. Anybody in here like drinking tea? Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you in this place know that if you take a tea bag and you begin to dip it in a, 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 a pot of hot water, amen, but you just dip it and you take it out and you dip it and you take it out and you dip it and you take it out. How many of you realize that there won't be a lot of change? Why? Because the tea bag hasn't been submerged long enough, watch this, for the water or its environment to get in the tea. Are you in this place? And so it is with our consecration oftentimes. It's in and it's out. It's in and it's out. It's on and it's off. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And the reality is, watch this, that if it's not in there long enough, the spiritual climate that exists, hallelujah, will not get into it, watch this, hallelujah, and saturate it. And so the reality is that the more we are submerged, watch this, into the spiritual, the more our spiritual life is developed and the more God releases us into that spiritual life. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Now, when you read your Bible, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, but I'm not going to go to all of them. So I'm expecting you to take notes. Some of you are going to know some of these scriptures. Some of you are going to have to write the scriptures down, hallelujah, so you can read them during your time of fasting. Amen. Jesus gave us reasons not to fast. Watch this now. Jesus gave us reasons not to fast or at least how not to fast. Are you following what I'm saying? Whenever you read uh, Matthew chapter 6, you're going to hear Jesus talk about prayer. He doesn't just talk about prayer. He talks about fasting. He doesn't just talk about fasting. He talks about giving. And it's very powerful when you really look at it, hallelujah, because how many of you are familiar with that scripture in Ecclesiastes that says two are better than one? Right? And a threefold cord is not easily broken. A rope with three strands is hard to break. Amen? And that text is usually talking about fellowship. Connections, people, amen. But Jesus gives us a spiritual threefold cord in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Sometimes, watch this now, praying is not enough. I said sometimes praying is not enough. 
Amen. And I'm going to prove that in a minute through the scriptures. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to add fasting to your prayer. And, and something else that many of us, hallelujah, are probably unaware of is giving is also as important. This is why he puts these three together in the same plane. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is a threefold spiritual cord. Whoever is a Christian operating in these three is a Christian who will be hard to break. The person who operates in these will be a durable individual. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. But he began to talk to us about when he got to fasting, because that's where I want to focus today. The first thing he lets us know is the negative. He says, uh, this is how I do not want you to do it. And he says, watch this. If you're fasting for the applause of men, you might as well forget it. He said the hypocrites do it so that they could be seen. Amen. And, and, and they go around looking like they're fasting. Uh, to let people know that they're fasting so that people could see how spiritual they really are. And Jesus said, if you do it for the applause of men, if you do it for that, that is all you're going to get. In other words, he said, they have their reward, not mine. In other words, if you're doing it for them, you are not doing it for me. And all you're going to get is their applause. And I, I don't know about you, but I'll be if I'm just going to sit around missing three main meals a day so that men can clap for me. The devil is a liar. If that's the case, I might as well just go to the Cheesecake Factory and have me some chicken taquitos. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry. I'm mentioning food. I'm mentioning food. I shouldn't be talking about food. But I'm saying you might as well. You might as, you might as well go eat. And can I submit to you, watch this now, if somebody finds out you're fasting, because listen, this is spiritual, not superstitious. I said this is spiritual, not superstitious. If somebody finds out you're fasting by any chance, it does not mean that your fast has been ruined. Now, Jesus encourages us not to make it known, not to tell anybody, but let's just say, you're at the break room at work, and somebody noticed you sitting there during the lunch break, but you're not eating. And they come to you, and they say, hey, man, you're not going to have lunch? And you say, nah, it's okay. But they think to themselves, you know, maybe, maybe he had a hard, hard week. Maybe he's strapped for cash. Uh, maybe it's tight. So you know what? Let me offer him some food. Hey, you want me to get you something to eat? No, it's okay, really. <laughs> It's okay. But this person, let's say somebody that's close to you at work, says, you know what? Mm -mm, I don't buy it. And they go and get you something to eat. And then they bring it to you. And now they bring it to you. Here, I know I'm not taking no for an answer. You got to eat. Come on. And then you say, listen, it's because I'm, uh, I'm in consecration. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, man, you found me out. Let me get that thing. I might as well just eat it. <laughs> because you found me out. Can I, can I submit to you, hallelujah, uh, that does not ruin your fast. You didn't go ahead purposely and start telling people because you wanted them to know how spiritual you were. Are you following what I'm saying in here? Uh, that does not ruin your fast. It's not superstitious. It's not like you blowing out the candles and making a wish. Because, you know, people can be superstitious. You know, you got to close your eyes and blow out, make a wish and then blow out those candles. And then if you tell anybody, your wish will not come through. You know what that's called? Superstition. 
Can I just say this? We do not fast to get wishes granted. Uh oh, I'm gonna mess you up. Hallelujah. Because if that's the case, your motive is already wrong. And you can hinder your reward. Are you in this place so far? If you're with me, shout glory. glory. Another reason we do not fast is to manipulate God's hand. You're not, we're not trying to twist God's hand. Ain't nothing you're going to do going to change God's will. So I want to submit to you, hallelujah, that fasting is more for you than it is for him. And before your fast moves him, it should move you towards him. Are you in this place, church? Ooh. So watch this. You fast to humble yourself. That's number one because we have a natural tendency to think about me first. Yes, we do. Hallelujah. Isaiah 58, when you have a chance, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but Isaiah 58 is a powerful chapter on fasting. I suggest everybody reads it in your devotion time while you're fasting. Isaiah 58. One of the suggestions Isaiah 58 makes when you fast is this. Watch this. Isaiah encourages us that when the meals that you're not going to eat while you're fasting, take those meals and give them to someone who needs them. And Isaiah said that God said, that's the kind of fast I'm looking for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So those meals you're not going to eat, Give them or sow into those, hallelujah, that take food to those that need. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Huh? You don't want to fast to compete with others. If you're in it for competition, your motive is already wrong. Because right now, all around the world, there are people who are fasting. Amen. And some of us are fasting 10 days. Some of us are fasting three days. Some of us are fasting seven days. Some of us are fasting 21 days. Some of us are fasting 40 days. I don't know what they're doing. Hallelujah. But if you automatically assume, watch this, that if you fast longer, you'll get better results. You're already in a wrong mentality. You are in what is called a works mentality because you think that based on what you do, you're going to get more. You think you can move God that way, but you cannot. God is not easily impressed. You have to let God, yes, you have to let God, watch this, determine how long it's going to be. Are you following me? When I went to the Lord in prayer, I said, God, my, my earnest prayer is to get as many people in on this fast as possible. And I said, Lord, that's what my interest is. And so, Father God, you give me the number, hallelujah, and I'll challenge your people. Last year, we did 18 days because it was 2018. But I didn't want to get religious with that and say, so now it's got to be 19 because it's 2019. I didn't want to do that. I just said, God, you give me the number. Whatever you drop in my spirit, that's what I'll challenge your people with. The, the uh, Years before, we did 21 days. But this year, he just had me say 10. And that's the number. Because that's the number that it's going to take to accomplish what God wants to do. Now, if another church is doing uh, 21 days, for example, maybe it's what God's challenging them to do for whatever it is that they're assigned to or they have to do in order to get the breakthrough that they're looking for. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so watch this. If you're in this place under the sound of my voice and you say, you know what? We're going to do 10, but I'm doing 21, Pastor. And listen, good for you, but make sure your motive is right. 
Are you following what I'm saying? Because you're not going to get more just because you do more. It has to be the Lord, hallelujah, come on somebody, that puts that in your spirit. And if the Lord puts it in your spirit, it's because there's something that God wants to do through that specifically. And so he's challenging you to go the extra mile. Amen, somebody. So you don't want to get into a religious works mentality is what I'm trying to get at. And you don't want to compete. Amen. Hallelujah. Watch this. Joel 2 and 12 says, return to me with fasting. God will challenge you. Isn't that amazing? If you're going to come back to me, come back to me with fasting. Why? Because if you're fasting, I'll know that you're serious about it. Because your fasting lets me know that you are surrendering. And it also lets me know that you're willing to remove pleasure for me. Amen, somebody. Watch this, Isaiah 58, which is that wonderful chapter we talked about a moment ago, says this, going without food does not attract God to you because on the day of your fast, you do as you please. And you'll find that in 58 verses 3 and 4. Amen. So he's saying, watch this, just going without food alone is not impressing me if your motive is not right. If you don't use the time correctly, you just went on a diet. If you're going to stay, if you're going to abstain from food, but you're not going to seek my face, you're not going to read my word, and all you're doing is abstaining from food, that's a diet. That will not move me towards you. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? And Isaiah 58 also says that they begin to quarrel. So, you know, that speaks to the competition thing that I mentioned a moment ago. It happens. It's in the Bible. Amen. They begin to quarrel. Now, the greatest example of fasting is Jesus. Jesus fasted. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. God have mercy in this place. He went hungry. And when you read the Bible of Jesus, the, the story of Jesus going into the wilderness, the Bible says that he hungered after 40 days. So can I submit to you, for the person who's only been doing it for three days and you feel like you're dying, you're not. <laughs> Let me just throw that out there. Hallelujah. Because uh, somebody's in here and it's been three days. And you're like, oh, my God. Pastor, I am dying. You're not. Can I just submit to you? Your body can take a lot more. I said your body can go. I, I'm telling you before, your, your, your muscles begin to be consumed and your, and, your, and, your, and your body starts to go into a defense mechanism where it starts storing fat. You were built to last. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Your body will go into a defense mode. You can take it. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you start feeling that, 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 that those pains that come after three days, can I submit to you? Those are not hunger pains. Those are habit pains. Those are not hunger pains. Those are habit pains. But fasting, hallelujah, will help you break some habits. Can I get a good amen in this place? Hallelujah. Fasting, watch this now, is feasting on God. Did you hear what I just, fasting is feasting on God. The problem with us is that we're fasting on God and feasting on food. I said the problem with us is that we often fast on God and feast on food. Job said these powerful words once. He said, God, I esteem your word. Above my necessary food. Oh, did you hear that? Job said, hallelujah, watch this. 
your presence is better than my favorite dish. And he said, I'd rather eat in the spiritual anytime before I eat in the natural. That's a powerful man right there. Hallelujah. It's common for many of us to say that's ah, too, too much of a high price uh, to go without food. Hallelujah. But do I got some uncommon people in the room? Hallelujah. Who would dare, hallelujah, surrender their flesh, hallelujah, for the presence of God at a greater level? Amen. On one occasion, the, the disciples tell Jesus, hallelujah, they come to Jesus and they say, uh, Jesus, you need to eat. Eat, man. Have you eaten? And Jesus said these powerful words. He said, my food is to do the will of my father and to accomplish the mission upon which he sent me. You know what he was saying? He was saying, purpose sustains me. He said, purpose sustains me. And Jesus was saying, purpose is more important than the good food God blesses me with. I'd rather be in purpose, hallelujah, than just eating good. Are you blessed in here? If that wasn't enough, he says something even stranger in John 6 and 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Ooh, and you hear that and you go, eat his flesh. That sounds cannibalistic. That, I ain't eating nobody's flesh. But he wasn't talking literal. I mean, yeah, he wasn't talking literal. He was speaking figuratively. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus came down in the flesh. He is that living bread, right, that gave himself for us on the cross. When we make the decision, watch this, not to eat natural food, we are eating the bread of Christ. And watch this, it unites us spiritually with his suffering. Wasn't it the apostle Paul that said, I want to know him more? Amen. In the fellowship of his suffering, when you decide I'm not going to eat, but I'm going to take that spiritual bread instead, you are uniting with what Jesus Christ did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For you and for me. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. The problem is this. We have a little appetite for God because we're stuffed with so many other things. I said we have little appetite for God because we're stuffed with so many things. One of the major things that fasting will do for you is that it will expose your heart. It will expose your heart. You know, the world will tell you, trust your heart. Trust your heart. Can I help you in here? Do not trust your heart. Your heart can be the most deceitful part of your body. There are issues constantly flowing from your heart. This is why the Bible says guard it because out of it flow the issues of life. Amen. There could be stuff in your heart that you don't see. You, you would say I never do that but you don't know for sure because you haven't been pushed to the limit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so fasting becomes that thing, hallelujah, that quiets your heart so that you can hear from God, are you in this place? It reveals the things that control us and helps us to uncover what's really inside. There's some stuff in that heart. Amen? And let me just throw this out there while I'm at it. Fasting is not a substitute for obedience. I said, I'm going to get up to the good part in a minute, but you got to let me work. Hallelujah. Uh, did you hear what I just said? 
It's not a substitute for obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And obedience is still God's MO. He's gracious, but he still wants us to obey. Are you in this place, church? I'm concerned, hallelujah. I'm concerned that if we as parents do not teach a younger generation the importance of consecration, they will not do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, help me in here. It's, it's not easy, hallelujah, to get your teenager to join in on the fast. If we don't start praying, hallelujah, about a young generation seeking God's face, hallelujah, uh, they're going to be in trouble. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah, Jesus. On one occasion, let me just use this very quickly. On one occasion, uh, there is a young king. His name is Joash. And the prophet, hallelujah, Elijah is already up in age. And he's sick and he's getting ready to go with the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says that he gets up, hallelujah, and he, 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 he tells the young king, take a bow, open the window, and shoot an arrow out of the window toward the enemy. And when he shot the arrow, hallelujah, uh, the prophet proclaimed that it was going to be the season of the Lord's victory. And while the arrow was in the air, he challenged the young king and he said, now quickly take arrows and smoke the ground. And the young king, hallelujah, like many young people do, if they don't really see uh, or understand why they're being told to do something, they'll just stop doing it. And so this young king shot three arrows or hit three arrows onto the ground and he stopped. And then the prophet became indignant with him and told him, why did you stop? And who told you to stop? And then he told the young man, watch this, because you stopped at three, you will only have three victories against your enemy. But if you would have continued to smoke the ground, I would have gave you continual victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. But some of us, hallelujah, just don't know how to obey. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And watch this. We, 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 the thing that gets jeopardized is great victory. So instead of having great victory, we're not going to have it because of a poor effort. And so watch this. This is day three. Don't stop here. I'm, I'm ministering to the person who was thinking, ah, tonight, that's it. After today, <laughs> I got a word for you. How many victories do you want? I'm trying to encourage you. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Let me give you some quick results of fasting. I got to get back to this text. Let me give you some quick results on fasting, all right? This is, this is uh, uh, five things. I call it fast five. Let me give you the fast five of fasting. Amen? Here we go. Number one, fasting changes us. Well, I got like two amens. Hallelujah. Fa it, it, it doesn't change him. It changes you. It's not necessarily for him. It's for you. It's to him. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Are you in this place? Number two, fasting increases our spiritual capacity. Oh, man. When you fast, you make room for God to fill you with some of his food. Are you in? Fasting is spiritual draino. I said it's spiritual draino. It removes all the gunk so that you can experience a flow. Because all that gunk will diminish the flow in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
That's what fasting will do. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want it to rush down. Watch this now. Fasting breaks habitual appetites. It breaks habitual appetites. Like eating. Oh yeah, that's one of the greatest ones. Eating. Food. Here's another one. Sex. I know we in church. And here's another one. Money. It's getting quiet in the room. Hallelujah. Watch this. Fasting quiets the heart to hear from God. Fasting quiets, and we just mentioned it a moment ago. Fasting quiets the heart to heal, to hear, I'm sorry, from God. And finally, watch this. Fasting heals your body. I said it heals your body. Amen, somebody. Sometimes you got to take your body through a detox. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. My God. I, I remember getting a phone call from my brother once. Uh, he was a little concerned because he went to the doctor and, he told, and the doctor told uh, my brother that he had ridiculously high blood pressure. And um, he had asked me to pray for him and he said, he said you know what, I think I'm going on a, on a fast. And I said, yeah, well, you can't go wrong there, right? And so he went on a seven-day fast. He went on a seven-day fast. All he did was drink water. Amen. Went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, your blood pressure is normal. Because there's something about the body that when you fast, hallelujah, causes that body to almost reboot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you blessed in here? I said, it will heal your body. Amen. The more you fast, the more you like being with God. The more you sin, the more you don't like being with God. Come on, somebody. Sin will make you run from God. Ask Adam. Make you run and hide. Amen. Some of us are just fortunate that he came looking for us when we did. Amen, church. Hallelujah. Rather than eating to live, many live to eat. Did you know that there are more teachings on fasting in your Bible than there is repentance and confession? It's all over the place. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Jesus taught more on fasting than he did baptism. He taught more on fasting than he did observing the Lord's Supper. Yet we do those with no problem. But when it comes to fasting, it's one of those things that we don't mind overlooking when we read. And it's everywhere. Amen, somebody. Now, let me give you some benefits of fasting really quickly. Hallelujah. You ready for these? I'm going to give you eight benefits of fasting. I'm not going to elaborate a lot because I want to get back to the text. But I want to give you some information. Amen. Eight benefits. Number one, watch this. The disciples fasted to loose the bounds of the wicked. You fast to loose the bounds of the wicked. When they came to Jesus on one, when they came to Jesus' disciples on one occasion, and they said this kid is possessed by a, a demon, the disciples prayed, and they couldn't cast him out. Jesus shows up. The man says, Jesus, I brought him to your own, and they could not. You know the story? 
Amen. And if you know that story like I do, hallelujah, what this kid was struggling with was a suicide spirit. The Bible said, watch this, that it would throw him in the water and it would throw him in the fire. It would throw him in the water and it would throw him in the fire. It was trying to kill him. There is a devil that's after a young generation. And there is a suicide spirit that exists that's trying to kill your babies. And the way you deal with that spirit, watch this, they couldn't do it. So they asked Jesus, how do we, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because this kind, in other words, this kind of spirit only comes out by prayer and fasting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so there's a lot of kids out there, hallelujah, who the enemy is trying to convince to take their own lives is the best way to go. But the devil is a liar. Amen, somebody. And we need to pray and fast for a young generation. Number two, Ezra proclaimed the fast, watch this, in times of hardship. So watch this, a time of hardship is a good time to fast. In times of hardship. And if you read Ezra uh, chapter 8, verses 21 and onward, I won't, but verses 21 and onward, Ezra 8, hallelujah, you're going to find what he prayed for. He prayed for his people. And fasted, watch this, for his children and for their substance. So watch this, watch this, my family and my finances. Woo! And my family, and, how many of you in here could use a financial breakthrough? Watch this, my family and my finances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when you read the rest of the story, you read about how God gave him direction on which way to go, how God kept him from the many, the many uh, enemies or bandits that would try to rob him along the way, and God protected him, and it was all as a result of seeking the Lord. Are you in this place? Watch this. Number three, it's the fast that breaks negative emotional habits. The fast that breaks negative emotional habits. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I had time, I would take you to 1 Kings 19, where the prophet Elijah finds himself on the run after bringing fire down from heaven and taking on 400 plus false prophets on a good day. On a bad day, he hears from a woman named Jezebel who scares him half to death, and now he's on the run. And watch this. The Bible says that while he's on the run in the wilderness, he goes to sleep, an angel comes and brings him food. And then he goes on the strength of that food 40 days. So watch this. He eats a meal, and then for the next 40 days, he don't eat anything. And the Bible says he ends up in a cave, but guess who shows up in the cave? God shows up in the cave. Have you ever been in a cave? God, help me in here. And he pulled him out of that cave and freed him, hallelujah, from negative emotions. Are you in this place? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. Here's another one, hallelujah. The fast for the needs of others. Because, you know, we could get selfish with the fast, too. And it's me. It's just me. And it's all about me. No, the fast for the need of others. Amen. Let, let me submit to you, hallelujah. How many of you remember that widow woman who was in a famine and only had, watch this, enough for one day's uh, food? A ration for her and her son, the Bible says. That's all she had. Watch this. But here comes the prophet. And the prophet comes to her and the prophet tells her this. Watch this now. The prophet said, yeah, um, she... she Bake me a cake. And she said, yeah, um, I only have a ration for one last meal. I'm going to make it. Me and my son are going to eat it, and we're going to die. And the prophet said, you know what? Bake me a cake first. Could you imagine that today? That would be all over the news, right? 
pastor steals little widow's old last meal. Watch this. So, so he says, bake me a cake first. Now she has a choice to make. I could go without food for the need of somebody else, or I can eat this and just last one more day. And so she makes the decision, watch this, to stay without food for the need of somebody else. And the result of that is that her meal barrel never runs out. You hearing what I'm saying? And if I, if I went back to Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58 specifically talks about taking those meals you would have eaten and giving them to the poor. That's the kind of fast that I am looking for. Are you blessed in here so far? Hallelujah. Watch this. Here is number five. The fast for major decisions. The fast for major decisions. Hallelujah. The, the apostle Paul has an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know the story, right? Uh, he has this amazing experience with Jesus. And after he has this experience, watch this. He's in a home. He's blind. He's can't, he can't see. He is without direction. Amen. Have you ever been there? See, you, you could be saved and without direction. You could have experienced Jesus like Paul, had an amazing encounter with Jesus, and today find yourself without direction. Are you in this place? But the Bible says, watch this, that those three days that he was blind, watch this, he wasn't eating. And for three days, he didn't eat. And so watch this, and for those three days, he was also praying. And so God spoke to a man named Ananias and said, go to Paul, go to Saul, that was his name at the time, and lay hands on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, "Ah, uh -uh, I know him. He persecutes Christians. He kills Christians. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, yeah, I know, but he prayeth now. He's consecrating right now. And because he's consecrating, you need to go over there to him so he can receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you in this place, church? Watch this. Number six, the fast for strength and wisdom. The fast for strength and wisdom. Anybody could use some more strength and wisdom? I know I could. Amen. Hallelujah. This is, this is where I got the 10 days from, from a biblical perspective. Daniel in chapter 1 takes himself and his three friends, you know the three boys, right? And they, they fast for 10 days. And they told the, 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 the king's leaders who wanted them to eat the king's meat so they could work for them. Hallelujah. He told them, listen, I tell you what, just give us vegetables for 10 days. Just give us vegetables for 10 days and then examine us and compare us to these other guys after 10 days. And the Bible says that after 10 days, Daniel and the three looked stronger and were, watch this, 10 times wiser than all the other men. Ooh, I don't know about you, but I could use some more smarts. And if fasting can do that for me, hallelujah, I'm going to do it. Amen, somebody. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. This is, this is a habit-changing fast. Number seven, the fast of great influence. The fast of great influence. Watch this. How many of you know John the Baptist? John the Baptist, concerning John, watch this. You know what the Bible says about him? He was rough looking. Most people today will kick John out of their church just because of the way he looks. Because the Bible says he was bearded. He was, I, I call him the first Tarzan. John the Baptist was the first real Tarzan. 
because he wore leather. He didn't wear a lot of clothing. Hallelujah. And watch this. The Bible says he fasted often. As a matter of fact, all he really ate, according to scripture, was honey and locusts. Amen, somebody. But watch this. Concerning John, the Bible says, they came from everywhere to hear him preach. They came from everywhere to hear the wild man preach because the man knew how to consecrate. Are you hearing? The Bible says they came from all levels of society to come hear the wild man preach. Are you blessed in here? And the last one is the fast of protection. The fast of protection. Amen? The fast for danger. If Esther was here, I would call her to the witness stand. Well, Esther, t- Esther will tell you that her people were on the brink of destruction. The Hebrew people were on the brink of destruction. Hallelujah. And God challenged her through her uncle Mordecai to set a fast. Hallelujah. And they fasted three days. That's all it took. A three-day fast. Water only. Hallelujah. And God delivered the people of Israel from an evil man named Haman. Haman had built gallows to hang all the Israelites on. And the same Haman that built those for the Israelites died on them. Because when you're a person who knows how to consecrate, hallelujah, what the enemy pulls out to kill you will end up killing them. Are you in this place, church? Now, with the last 15 minutes I have, let me give you this real quickly. Hallelujah. Anybody in here in need of a breakthrough? Come on, I need some real people in here. Anybody in need of a breakthrough? Now, first of all, let me just say, what is a breakthrough? A breakthrough, according to the dictionary, is simply this. A sudden, dramatic, important advance. A sudden, dramatic, important advance. You see breakthroughs in science. You see breakthroughs in technology. You see breakthroughs in medicine. But I want to submit to you, you can have a breakthrough in your marriage. You can have a breakthrough on your career. Come on, somebody. You can have a breakthrough on your life. Amen? The opposite of a breakthrough is to be stalled, is to be stuck. uh, Or even worse, to be or to experience a setback. Those are the opposites of a breakthrough. Amen? It's, it's It's when you're not advancing, but you are retreating. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Hmm. Oftentimes, hallelujah, I ain't going to get no amens right here, but God has to let us experience painful things to get our attention. Amen. If I, had, if I had time, I would take you to Proverbs 20 and 30. Proverbs 20 and 30 says this, a painful experience changes the mind. A painful experience changes the mind. Because sometimes, watch this, we don't, we don't look for God in the light. We should. <laughs> but we don't. We don't look for him under the light. Oftentimes, we have to wait for the heat. And in the heat, hallelujah, we start calling on God. Oftentimes, hallelujah, we don't change until the fear of change is exceeded by our pain. Did you hear what I just said? We don't change until the fear of change is exceeded by our pain. Hallelujah. Psalm 77 and 2 says this. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. 
He didn't say when everything was good. He said, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. Watch this. And every night I stretched out my hands to him in prayer. In other words, it wasn't until I experienced something painful that I started looking for a breakthrough. So let me ask you again, do you need a breakthrough in this place? Hallelujah. Mm. Show me 1 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 8. I ain't going to finish this. 1 Chronicles 14 and 8. I'm trying. I'm trying to stick to the notes and not go on rabbit trails, but I'm feeling my preach coming. 1 Chronicles 14 and 8. Listen to what it says. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, it's usually after a high, hallelujah, that an attack comes. You ever notice that? In our, in our scripture today, it was after a victory that Jehoshaphat gets attacked. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all of Israel, all the Philistines, all the Philistines, not just some of them, all the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them. Now, watch this. Next verse. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. Next verse. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against these Philistines, and wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them unto your hand. One more verse. So they came up to Baal-Padassim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God have broken in upon my enemies by my hand like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal-Padassim, meaning the Lord of the breakthrough. Isn't that powerful, saints? Hallelujah. Woo. I like the text because it says that when he found out that they were going to attack him, he went to his fortified place. Do you have a fortified place? Do you know what your fortified place is? There's a verse in the Bible that says the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't have a place to rest his head. The foxes have holes. That's his home. In other words, his home is his fortified place. The birds have nests. That's its home. That means my home is my fortified place. Is your home a fortified place? The son of man hasn't a place to raise his head because earth is not his home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But my home should be my resting place. But I will not have rest at home if home is not in order. I will not have rest at home if home is insecure. So do you have a fortified place? Home should be a fortified place. Your church should be a fortified place where you come in and you are safe. Are you in this place, church? I like this text because it lets me know that I'm to inquire of the Lord before any battle. You just don't run into battles. When David is young and he has no responsibilities, he can run at a giant with a sling and a stone. But once he's in charge of people that are up under him, once I have responsibilities, I can't just take matters into my, my own hand like that. If I'm going to do something, I have to inquire of the Lord because my decisions affect everybody around me. Everybody up under me, up under my responsibility. I can't just go after a giant without being concerned about my family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. Ah, I'm almost out of time. Watch this. Whew. Second Chronicles. I'm just going to go there. Second Chronicles where we read, hallelujah. 
You heard the text, hallelujah. The Bible says three kings had came against Jehoshaphat, hallelujah. And the Bible says that he proclaimed a fast and they started to pray and they started to seek the Lord. Amen. So watch this. The first thing I want to say to you, hallelujah, is take your focus off the problem and into the presence. Take your focus off of the problem and into the presence. Refocus your worry. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat feared, but then he sought the Lord. In other words, immediately he refocused his worry and resolved, watch this, to seek. And then he called a fast. Amen. And I don't know if you know the end of this story, hallelujah. I might not even get to it, but the end of the story, watch this. They call this place, watch this, the, the valley of blessings. It was going to be a valley of battles. But instead, because they consecrated, it became a valley of blessings. Can I just submit to you? Let me throw this in here because I feel it from the Lord. Worry is worthless. Some of us think, can I help you in here? Some of us think that worrying about our children is going to make them safer. Can I help you in here? There's a reason Jesus said, don't worry about anything. There's a reason Paul said, don't worry about anything. He said, don't worry about anything because worrying doesn't work. I said, worrying doesn't work. Worrying can't do nothing about the past. Worrying can't do nothing about the future. All worry can do is rob you of your right now. And I came to submit to you that worry is worthless. Every moment you worry is a wasted moment. Every moment you worry is a wasted moment. It does not work. It's like you sitting at a rocking chair. A lot of motion and commotion, but no forward progress. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? It is meditation on the wrong thing. I don't know how to, yes, you know how to meditate. When you worry, you are meditating. You're just meditating on the wrong thing. Hallelujah. You are focusing on your fear instead of God when you worry. Amen, somebody. I heard somebody put it like this. Somebody said, worry is practical atheism. Because your trust is not on God. Ouch. He said, worry is like you being an orphan or acting like an orphan. Because you're acting like you don't have a heavenly father that say he will care for you. Peter said, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. And so you will carry what you don't give to him. The Bible challenges us to focus on the spiritual. Amen? Because it leads to life. And if you focus on the flesh, it leads to death. You know what the text says, right? And it's not enough for you to say, all right, from now on, I'm, I'm not going to worry. It's not enough for you just to say, you're not going to worry. That's like somebody saying, I'm, I'm, I, I, that's it. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop smoking. You can't just concentrate on what you don't want. And as long as you do is concentrate on, don't, on what you don't want, it will keep you focused on that. You have, to, you have to choose your focus. You have to think, like Paul said, think on things that are above. You have to replace bad thoughts with good thoughts. Because bad thoughts just don't go away. You can't just say, I'm going to stop thinking that. I'm going to stop thinking that. I'm going to stop thinking that. You're not until you get a new thought. 
If you're in this place, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. I got four minutes left. Somebody shout, you can do it. Can I be real in here? Just because you're saved does not mean you seek. Just because you're saved does not mean you seek. And if you are not a seeker, you will never be a finder. Oh God. You could hear of him, but that does not mean you hear from him. And I want to submit to you that the Bible distinguishes between those that come to him and those that seek him. Matter of fact, your Bible puts it like this, hallelujah. If anyone comes to him, he must first believe that he is. That's phase one. You have to believe that he is God. Phase two is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently not come to him, but seek him. So it's possible to come to him and not be a seeker. But if you never become a seeker, you will never be a finder. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. The reason you seek is because you know something is there. Even though you can't see it and there's going to be complexity in finding, you do it. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. A seeker is not motivated by sight. He's motivated by instruction. I wish I had time. I heard a man give an illustration, hallelujah, about a maze, and he called the maze purpose. And he says, hallelujah, oftentimes in this maze, what you're going to have is walls erected all over the place, and those walls are all going to look the same. So looking or seeing where you're going is not necessarily going to get you out of there. You're going to have to depend and rely, watch this, on somebody else's sight to talk you through it. Are you in this place, church? You know, oh man. You know, I was studying, hallelujah, and I was thinking about this year. I was thinking about 2019, and I was doing a little Hebrew, a little Hebrew. Amen. And when I was studying, hallelujah, I, I learned, hallelujah, that the 19th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is very significant. The 19th letter. And I don't got a lot of time to talk about it, hallelujah. But what I found out about the 19th letter is that it's uncommon. <laughs> and I thought that was a coincidence. I think not. So anyway, uh, <laughs> It's very uncommon because it, it's, it's one of two letters in the Hebrew alphabet that has two dashes. One on the top and one on the bottom. The one on the top represents God looking down. The one on the bottom represents man looking up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And the, the picture, uh, because, you know, these letters come with pictures. The picture of the Hebrew 19th letter is the back of a man's head. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because watch this, not the front, because it's not about sight. But the back, watch this, because that number is indicative, watch this, of both hearing and faith. So watch this, hearing, God speak down, and then faith, you respond to what you hear. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. So this year is going to be significant as it pertains, watch this, hallelujah, to hearing and responding. Somebody shout faith. faith. Are you blessed in here? So watch this. If God, if God has you on a hide and go seek season, because he does that sometimes, hallelujah, it will not be predicated on your ability to see, but your ability to follow based on what you 
here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. The enemy is mounting an attack on you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Amen. If you decided that you're going to go forward this year, the enemy is mounting an attack on you, and he's not a secret. Jehoshaphat found out. And it's, in other words, it's not a secret. Amen. The enemy is going to launch out an attack. Hallelujah. The text says, I got one minute left. The text says, watch this, tomorrow go down and meet, meet them in the valley. In other words, hallelujah, what I get out of that is that God wants to prepare you, watch this, for tomorrow's battle. I said, God wants to prepare you for tomorrow's battle. Can I just submit to this to you before I close? Watch this. If today's battles are overwhelming you, you could forget it. I said, if you're, not, if you're having a tough enough time handling today's battles, then tomorrow's battles, you are not ready for. God, help me in this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Because how many of you understand that with every opportunity or with every new opportunity is going to come a new opponent? With every new advancement, there will be a new adversity. When you decide that you're going to go the distance, there will be resistance. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? But my God prepares us for progression. I said he, pro he prepares me to progress. So watch this. See, a lot of people preach this text and they make it about the singing. And I'm going to say that if I have time, but I don't think I'm going to have time. Watch this. But this text is about their consecration. Did you hear what I said? It's, a, it's because they are prepared. Are you hearing me? And listen, don't, don't make the mistake to only praise God for provision. You need to praise him for preparation. Because God prepares you for success. He prepares you for progression. Are you in this place? He told them you don't have to fight this battle. Some battles you are not going to win on your own strength. Society will teach you that you got to figure it out. But anybody who's lived a little while, you understand, hallelujah, that life will put you in a maze. Come on, somebody, hallelujah. And, and sometimes not even all your education, which is good, amen, and get it. Get all you can, amen. Uh, sometimes even all your education will put you at a loss for words. You can't even find uh, the right words in the English language and you feel robbed because of what you're going through, but you call on God. Do I got a church in here? Hallelujah. You will not have to fight this battle. I hear God telling somebody, I don't know who this is for, that your preparation, because of your preparation, you'll just need to praise through this one. I don't know who that's for. Hallelujah. Listen, because of your preparation, this king fasted and prayed. They got prepared spiritually. And so now they're not even going to have to fight. They're going to praise their way through it. And I, I hear God saying, because of your preparation, this is why we're getting prepared now. Because of your preparation, you're just going to have to praise through this one. Uh, do I got anybody that receives the word of the Lord on today? Hallelujah. And listen, I'm talking to men too. Give me three more minutes and I'll land this plane. I'm talking to men too. I'm talking to men. Because, you know, in, in Israel... You became a man by learning how to praise God in Israel. Amen. In this society, if you praise him too much, they sissify you. I don't know if I just made up a word. I may have. I've been known to do it. Hallelujah. But, but I believe that God is raising up men who know how to cry. 
men who know how to dance. Come on, somebody, in the presence of the Lord. Men who don't mind running in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Y'all leaving me up here all by myself. Hallelujah. Can I have a couple men just give God a little bit of praise in this place? Hallelujah. Because I don't know if you know, but the only thing, the only thing that'll keep a man's heart steady in a crisis is worship. The only thing, are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Because that worship brings stability. And the result of stability is stillness. Set yourselves. And then watch this. Be still. Stability results in stillness. You won't be able to stay still until you've learned how to consecrate and concentrate. Because worship is about concentration. It's when you move your focus off all your problems and put all your focus on him. And it's not until you learn how to consecrate and concentrate that you can get the kind of victory we're talking about in this text. And I hear God saying, because you did the work, because you did what you were supposed to do, even though you didn't feel like doing it. Nobody feels like going without food. But because you put in the work, get your song ready. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Some of your souls are strained because you haven't fortified it with a song. You need a song for your season. Because your mandate has a melody. I said your mandate has a melody, hallelujah. And your ministry has an anthem. Woo. Sometimes God gives you a song just so that you could rehearse revelation. Repeat revelation. If you're in this place, shout glory. glory. Woo. Right, let me close with this. Watch this. They put in the work. Amen. Because they put in the work, now all they got to do is praise their way through it. And Jehoshaphat appointed singers. Now, I'm going to mess with these people up here right now. Because I sense God saying that this is going to be a season for the appointed singer. Where, watch this, hallelujah. Where your devotion cannot be out of focus. When those, are, those who are responsible, hallelujah, for devotion on another level, let their devotion lose focus, hallelujah. Could you imagine? You cannot be double-minded and singing. I said you cannot be double-minded and singing, hallelujah, because when you sing, the people's hearts are going to rock back and forth. If you're not stable, you cannot minister stability. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. What makes that song powerful was that they consecrated first. Oh, 
Oh, you're blessed in here. Stand to your feet, church. The song keeps you from being distracted. Watch this. God didn't say there wasn't going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight. He just said, you ain't going to have to fight. But there is going to be a fight. Amen, somebody. You don't want to sing an indecision. When you consecrate and concentrate, you confuse your enemy. I said you confuse your enemy. If you know this song, if you know this story like I do, he set the singers in the front. Set the singers in the front, put in the work, and then set the singers in the front. And the Bible says that when they began to sing, could you imagine the enemy? Could you imagine the enemy seeing the singers in the front? No weapons, just singing in the front. The enemies may have looked at them and said, look at these people. Who do they think they are? Don't they know they're about to die? But let me submit to you this, hallelujah. If you are a real worshiper, you'll never have successful enemies. I didn't say you won't have enemies. I said you won't have successful enemies. If you're a real worshiper, you will never have successful enemies. They will come. They will threaten. They will say. They will mock. Hallelujah. But they will not succeed. They were looking at the people of God and probably mocking them for singing. But the people of God were not looking at them. They were looking like God. Watch this. And as long as you look at God, God will deal with them. I said as long as you look at God, God will deal with them. But if you look at them, you will have to fight them. If you focus on them, you'll have to fight them. But if you focus on God, God will deal with them. The Bible says that as they begin to sing praises unto God, God set ambushments on the enemy and the enemy got confused and they pulled the sword on one another and they begin to kill one another before Israel got there while they were singing my God I hear God saying in 2019 just sing along the way God help me in here just praise him through it hallelujah Do I got any praises in here? We got to go, hallelujah, but do I got any praises in here? Woo, I came to talk to a church, hallelujah, that's in consecration. Because you are preparing yourself in 2019, you will pray your way through it. Do I got a church that believes the word of God in here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. closing they came with weapons they pulled the 
weapons on the people of God. But watch this. Because they consecrated and because they were concentrated, watch this. The weapons they pulled on God's people, they fell on. Did you hear what I just said? What the enemy brought to use to take you out was the thing that ended up taking them out. Ooh, if the devil would have knew better, he wouldn't have tried it. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? I wish I had a church that believed that verse in the Bible that says, no weapon, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Hallelujah. The same weapon you use against me, God's going to turn it around and use it against the enemy. Haman tried to kill the Israelites. Hallelujah. When Esther prayed, he died in the gallows that he created for the Israelites. When the Hebrew boys, God help me in here. When the Hebrew boys got thrown into the fire, the heat of that furnace was so strong, it didn't kill them, but it killed the ones that pushed them in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The ones who threw Daniel into the lion's den, the lions didn't kill Daniel, hallelujah, but it ended up killing the men that threw him in because they got thrown in after. Are you in this place, church? Do you believe the word of the Lord? Do you believe the word of the Lord? Do you believe the word of the Lord? Hallelujah. Can you praise him like you believe it? Can you praise him like, I'm going to sing my way through. I'm going to praise my way through this year. Hallelujah. I'm putting in the work now. I'm investing, hallelujah, right now for my tomorrow. And tomorrow God will do wonders in our sight. I believe it. 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 Lift those hands. Can we praise them?
it right now. You are the Lord of our breakthrough. And we worship you. I know it's late, we gotta go. It's not like you gotta go eat somewhere. Listen. Listen. Just in case you're missing it right now, let me just tell you what happened last. When they got there, 
there was dead bodies all over the place. They never had to fight. They just had to show up. That's the word of the Lord. Set yourself. Position yourself. Be still and watch God work. What? When they got there and said, and saw all the bodies on the floor, the Lord said, now take up the spoils. Watch this. So many spoils. It took them three days. Three days to carry the riches of the enemy back into the camp. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My God, I'm going to get my breakthrough. Do I got anybody else in here who says, I'm going to get my breakthrough? I'm going to put in the work now for tomorrow. Tomorrow, God is going to do wonders in our sight. And when it's all said and done, our backs are going to be bent over.